So we've been uh, in a series, started a couple weeks ago, and then if you, we didn't do it here last week, but it is up on recorded if you want to listen to the one from last week. But we've been talking about this idea of passion and what, what I'm trying to get through in this series and what my heart behind it is, is that we can have a passionate relationship with Jesus continually, and it may not always be this you know, coming off of a conference or retreat, kind of spiritual high, but you can have a heart posture of passion towards this relationship. And so each week, I want to look at different ways that either um, we can improve on our passion maybe, or help uh, kind of sustain passion, or uh, this week what we want to look at is, what does it even look like? Because you might be hearing all these things about passion and go, I don't even know maybe what that necessarily looks like. Like I understand maybe what passion is, but I don't know if I know what it looks like in terms of this relationship with Jesus. And so I've been going off this definition every week and I just like the definition. It's just the definition from Google. So there's nothing like I found it in some book. It's just what's on the internet. And I think it describes passion so well. And it says, passion is a strong and barely controllable emotion. Passion is a strong and barely controllable emotion. And so when we put this in context with our relationship with Jesus, it's a strong and barely controllable emotion that we have for him. We have for who God is and and, and living a life that pleases him and honors him and, and, and grows in this relationship. And so as we look at this idea of how, what does passion look like? I think about when we were in high school, the biggest thing we liked doing, especially when my buddies came over, is playing video games. It's one of the easiest things where if we weren't allowed to go out, it's like they could at least come over, we'd play video games and have fun together. And so one of the games I loved playing with my buddies because we were all kind of sports guys was NBA 2K. NBA 2K is what we always played. I had like 2012. It was like four years old at the time, and so it was old. But, but I loved it. And so we would always come over, and we could play for hours. It was like, you know, four of us, we'd match up with different guys. It's like, just keep taking turns. It was great. And so we loved playing that. And I can remember I had a buddy. His name was Connor, and he came over a lot. And me and him were pretty close And, and any time we played. It was always pretty even. Didn't matter what team I played. Didn't matter what team he played. We were usually pretty even. And so there was one time that we got together, and we're playing, and I have my other buddy Jake there, and he blows me out of the water the first half. It was like 20, 25 points he's up by going into halftime, and I'm like, this is not going to be good. And so I'm just like, I'm just going to try. You know, you never know what happens in sports. Some team could come back. I could just lose by 50. I don't know. And so I'm like, we're just going to go out after halftime and see what we can do. And so all of a sudden, we start playing through the third quarter, and it cut it down to 10 points. Then we're like five minutes into the fourth quarter, and it's down to like five points. And then we're down to like a minute, and it's like three points. And all of a sudden, I cut it down to one point with three seconds left. One point, three seconds left. If you you know me, and and I like to be uh, energetic, and it's just a stupid game, but I loved being all excited, and I can't sit down. Anytime there's anything intense, I can't sit down. So there's intense something on the TV, I gotta stand up, especially in video games. If something gets really intense, I gotta stand up and I kind of like walk around. And so you got, you know, I've cut this lead down from 20 points. This isn't like I just came back from five points. This is a 20 point 
Well, Eli cut down, and so all of us are kind of walking around in our room like this, you know. Connor's freaking out because he's like, I just blew a 20-point lead. I'm over here like I'm still down by a point, so i got to make something. And i got my buddy Jake over here in the corner, and he's filming the whole thing and watching our reactions. And so I'm like, I I said, if you walled this room off and like cut it in half, that's about how big our room was. So it wasn't a huge space. And so we're all in this tiny little room. Intentions are high. You know, we're kind of jumping around like you do in sports. It's like, all right. And I'm like, this is what I got to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it because I don't know how to call plays in the NBA. I know you can somehow, but I don't know how to do it. So I'm like, I've got to find a way to get some guy kind of wrapped around in the mix of everybody and gets wide open in the corner for a shot. And so I call the timeout. We're, we're getting ready. And then it comes back. You know, he always has to pause it. He, my buddy, he's pausing. He's like, I'll wipe my hands off, make sure they're dry and not sweaty and all this. I'm like, that's not really going to matter. So we unpause it. We get ready. And so I'm on the sideline with my guy. I'm like, I just got to throw it in and get this. And so I get my guy wrapped all the way around in the confusion of people, and I get him all the way in the corner, three-point line. I'm not even trying to get a two-point. I'm like, I'm going big for this. Get it in the corner, and it's like one of those shots you hit on the video game, and it's like you know when he releases it, it's going in. It's like I have accomplished it. I've gotten him from a 20-point lead down, and that ball goes through the hoop with zero seconds on the clock, and it just erupts down there. My parents probably always wondered what was happening down there because it was just like screaming of excitement. I start running around the room, and my buddy's like, this is insane. And, and we had these doors that are those very thin doors. There's nothing in between the door. It's literally like two pieces of wood. They're probably like 50 bucks because my parents knew we just broke them all the time because we had a Nerf hoop down there. And so like when we would dunk, we'd like put our knee up and it would like slam through the door. And so there was always holes. So I run over this thing and I punch a hole straight through the door. It's like, I'm going nuts down there. And I'm like, this is incredible. I hit a game winner. And it's like, you always picture that, you know, you see it in real time. It's like the same thing happened when LeBron James hit that shot against the magic way back in, game one or game two one of those two of the eastern finals it's like i remember sitting on the back porch with like my grandma and my whole family's watching it and they had blown a lead like they had a tremendous lead and all of a sudden it's like comes down to this and lebron hits that shot and it's like crazy so it's like you watch it and then it's like you always dream of maybe doing it if you play basketball but this was the next best thing and i'm like this is incredible and it's like i got so passionate about it and we're both getting so into it i think he ended up either chucking one of the controllers or doing something he was mad that he blew a lead but it's like we can get so passionate about something stupid like a video game or a game or a sport and sometimes i wonder can we get that passionate about our relationship with jesus i don't have any problem sitting in front of a screen for 45 minutes playing a video game or, or going outside and playing 2v2 or whatever it is i can get passionate about that but then sometimes when i walk in these doors i'm not as passionate Sometimes when I wake up in the morning and I want to spend time with Jesus, I'm not as passionate. Why is it that we can be so passionate and we show that passion when it comes to stuff in all reality that doesn't always matter? But then on the thing that does matter, our passion isn't as big or exciting or as shown when it comes to Jesus like it is with other things. If I were to ask you, 10 being, I'm super passionate, 1 being, I'm not passionate at all, where would you say in your head on that scale you are right now? It's not that passion defines your relationship that if I'm only a 3, then I'm not, I'm not even a Christian. No, no, no. I'm just asking if you, were, if you wanted to say, where's your passion for it? Or would you be a 10? Or would you be a 1? 
Because I believe when you start to begin to understand what Jesus did for us and what this relationship is all about, there should be a passion that bubbles up in us to want to be in this relationship and for it to mean everything to us. And so that's what I want to see today is what does that passion look like? If we can be passionate like this for a video game, what does it look like to be passionate in this relationship? And there's a story, a parable, if you want to say, in Matthew chapter 13. And he's in a series of parables at this point that, I don't know if this is what they're called, but I call them kind of the kingdom parables. And he goes through all these different parables, and you can say this is a parable, it's only one verse. But um, he has all of these parables where he's like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then right before this, one of the parables he had talked about, um, he explains the wheat in the weeds to his disciples. They were confused about it, and so he's explaining it. And then he goes right into this parable. And he says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered, hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field and get the treasure too. And so, I think before I even begin to show a little bit of what this may be saying, I think you've got to see first, maybe if you're sitting there and ringing, going, okay, what does it actually mean, or what is specifically is he pointing at when he says this kingdom of heaven? Because I think it can be easy to look at it and say, well, he's talking about heaven. And in some respects, yes. But I think I was looking at a couple different things this week, and John Piper uh, says this, and I think it's very helpful as I was reading this to understand this verse a little. He says, we can treat the kingdom of God here almost synonymously with salvation or with reconciliation with God through the work of Christ. Let me read that again, and I'll explain a little bit what he's saying. We can treat the kingdom of God here almost synonymously with salvation or or with reconciliation with God through the work of Christ. And so basically what he's saying is that what we can show the kingdom of heaven is, is this idea of salvation or what Christ did on the cross for us, which is basically the same thing. And so, to give the backstory a little, what, what I think, if you're like trying to figure out exactly, I mean, we, we may know what salvation is, but, but it's this whole idea that at the beginning of time, God created us in Genesis 1 and 2. He creates everything in Genesis, and everything's perfect, and there's unity, and we're walking through the garden with God, and, and everything's great. There's no sin separating us. And then all of a sudden in chapter 3, Satan comes along, he deceives us, we disobey, and sin enters the world. From that time until Christmas, there's this whole time period where we have to start sacrificing animals to atone for our sins, and and this whole process to atone for our sinful nature. Then Jesus is born on Christmas, and there's still this weird time that as he's here on earth, and in doing ministry is he's pointing to the cross where he's going to be the ultimate sacrifice that he does ministry and and then at the end of his ministry and his life he goes and he gets nailed on a cross for you and for me and this became the ultimate atonement where he put sin on his back from now and future sin and past sin and all this stuff he put on his back when he got nailed to a cross then he rose from the grave on the third day that's what salvation is this realization that I fall short, that I'm sinful and I'm separated from God. And that in order to get into this relationship, I understand the ultimate atonement He did on the cross, the ultimate sacrifice, if you want to say, instead of atonement, that He got nailed to a cross, paid the price, 
for our sin. Because when you talk about sacrifices, you have to understand that when they did sacrifices, you couldn't just go and it's like, oh, we need to sacrifice a goat. They just go out and get one. They had to make sure there wasn't any blemishes. They had to make sure there wasn't any broken bones. There had to be a perfection about this animal when they sacrificed. And so in order for this to actually work, they needed somebody who was going to be perfect, that was going to be without blemish, without sin, and only Jesus could do that. That's why he's the ultimate in some part, and the other side is he beat death. There's a lot of people that got nailed to the cross, but there was only one that rose from the dead. This is what salvation is, the good news that I have been purchased by the sacrifice of Jesus because I am sinful and separated. So if we just exchange that from what John Piper is saying, synonymously meaning the same thing, salvation is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. Let me ask this question. Do you see salvation as a treasure? Is it just something maybe you're like, wow, it's been nice that Jesus rescued me and it's, it's nice that he paid the price for me? Or do you see that what he did for you is a treasure? That this whole relationship is about what he did because he loved you over everything. And I think sometimes it's hard for us to see because when we look at relationships, if Shannon's my wife, and so she's going to get 100% of my attention, full love, I'm not going to be able to share it to everybody. They're all not going to be able to get 100%. It's just the reality. But Jesus gives his full attention to every single person that's in this relationship, and, and he's so in love with you. You're the prize that he just is so excited about, and, and he just loves to, to be in a relationship with you. He loves to talk with you. He likes to walk with you. You are the center of his attention. He did it for you. And I think sometimes we don't, not in a mean way to like, beat us down, but we don't want to put ourselves up there as worse as we actually are. We're like, well, I'm, I'm not that bad. I may say some bad words. I may make some dumb decisions, but I'm really not that bad. We enter into this world broken and sinful. And He came to rescue you. To me, it just feels like if we just look at the reality of this entire gospel story, He didn't have to. He didn't have to purchase you. He didn't have to love you. But He chose to, and He is so in love with you that He was willing to be the ultimate sacrifice for you. And sometimes I don't think we always see that as a treasure. That He was willing to come up from a place He didn't have to to buy your freedom. To bring you back together in this relationship and pay the ultimate price. And when you, I think, get it into your mind of how great this story is and how great this relationship truly is, you will probably begin to see it look like a treasure. Because the difference between something that's important and a treasure, I think, is that a treasure is all about your life. Or, I don't want to say it like that. Uh, your life revolves all around this treasure. When something's important, it's like, okay, this is important to me, but sometimes you might compromise or sometimes you might let it go. When it's a treasure, when it's something so valuable, your entire life revolves around it because you see in his entire life that he's willing to go back, bury it in. You might say, why do you go back and bury it? I was reading some different things and it said, 
in that time, if you found something on somebody's land, they were entitled to it unless you had possession of the land. And so if I go and this, this gem, say, is hidden in Shannon's field, it's hers if she finds out it's in her field. But if I go back and bury it, and she doesn't find out, and then I go purchase the land from her, I not get only the land, but anything that's in the land. Because if I can't take this gem just away because if I found it on hers, it's hers. And so out of his excitement, because it's such a treasure to him, he goes and digs up where he found it, hides it, and then he goes and sells everything so that he can purchase this field because it's that important to him. You may never be in a position where you're like, I, I got to sell everything, but, but just ask yourself the question, is this relationship, are you passionate enough that if you had to give everything up, you would? If you had to sell everything and all you had was Jesus and all you had was this relationship, do you have enough passion in there to say, yeah, I'd give it. I'd give it up. I, I think about, like, let's just say we're sitting at the table. I'm sitting across from you and I'm talking to you about maybe even this verse. And I say, okay, we're going to put Jesus on the table and then whatever you value. Everybody's different. Some of you might be your family, some of job, maybe it's a hobby. I don't know what it is. Whatever you value most important. I said, you've got to choose one. What are you going to choose? Are you going to choose this relationship? Or are you going to choose this? I think that begins to show you what you value as your treasure. And Jesus is saying, man, do you not understand this treasure can transform your life? So much so that he didn't care if he had a cent to his name. He sold everything he owned. He didn't just sell half his closet. He sold his entire closet. He didn't sell some of his animals. He sold them all because that was more important than the things that he had. And sometimes I think we can just nonchalantly either talk about this relationship or, or have this relationship be a part of our life, but we don't care in some way. Oh, I go to church, and that's great. I read my Bible. I meet with somebody once a week for coffee. Whatever it is, it's like, but is he that important to you? That your entire life revolves around this relationship and salvation and what he did for you? Because not everybody is going to love you like God does. I hate to say it, but I will never love Shannon as much as God does. I won't. I felt like I had a really good dad growing up. He will never love me as much as God. And I just think sometimes we put so much passion in things that don't matter and there's a treasure waiting for us to give our passion to. He's just waiting and saying, I want to be in a relationship. And we're like, yeah, that's great, God, but I have to go to the fair this week. That's great, God, but I got to get... I gotta get my kids to school and my kids to soccer practice, whatever it is. I gotta go meet with somebody here and get my homework done. It's like, not that that's wrong. Don't hear me say these things are wrong, but we get so passionate about things like this, and it's like, but this is your life. This relationship is everything. And I just desire you as well as me to get to a place that this means everything to us. And we're passionate enough to say that Jesus means the world to me, that if I have any choice 
to pick something other than Jesus, it's always Him. There's not a question, because He is the treasure of my life. This is what passion looks like. When Jesus transforms your life, and everywhere on the outside, all you can do is just choose Him. All you can do is just serve Him. All you can do is be all about Jesus. Because He wouldn't be that passionate if it wasn't a treasure. Sometimes, too, we, we look at things that are treasures and we don't give them the status that they deserve. We look at this relationship and go, yeah, it's really great, and now I have eternal life. But I've got these other things, too. It's like, whoa, this is a treasure. We downplay it sometimes. And I think then we become less passionate about it because it's like, wow, it's important, but that's about it. I challenge you, as you look at your relationship, and even taking that question that we started at the beginning, if you feel like you're on the lower half of the scale, passion doesn't define your relationship with Jesus, but I think when you have passion, it's because you see something that is highly valued in your life. And so you're passionate about it. You invest your life in it. Your your life revolves around it. And so if you're on this side, it may not be that you have a bad relationship, but maybe you just need to start putting this on a higher pedestal and what this whole relationship is about. It's it's your entire life. But maybe you're up here. And that's a good spot to be in. Keep valuing this treasure. This relationship is so important. And I think sometimes we forget that. It's the gospel in all reality. Again, as it says, salvation is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again, sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field and get the treasure too. He didn't just want the field. He wanted what was in the field. Sometimes I think we're trying to get the field and we forget about the treasure that's in it. I want you to be passionate about your relationship with Jesus. I really do. And this is what passion looks like. An outward expression from inward, I would say the word combustion. Jesus comes in and just blows up your life. And because of that, you're just like, wow, I want to show this to the world. So I end with, it's just like this. Um, if this was Shannon's couch over here, I go over here and I start rummaging through and I find in Shannon's couch this diamond. It was $5 on Amazon, so it's not worth anything. But let's pretend it's worth something. So I go over there and I look through her couch and she doesn't know that this is what I found when I was sitting at her couch. And so I try to hide this. I make sure she doesn't know about it. But I I have to get the couch in order to get the treasure. I don't really care about the couch. The couch is ugly. I don't want it. Don't want it in my house. But she likes it so she can have the couch. But this was in there. I don't care if this costs a million dollars. If I know this is gonna this is gonna be two billion dollars and that couch is a million dollars, I could care less. I'll pay a million dollars. I'll go home and make sure everything's out of my house till I get that million dollars. I'll take out loans, whatever it is, to get that million dollars to buy that couch. Why? Because this is more valuable. I need the couch because the treasure's in it. She doesn't know it's in it. So I got to find a way to make sure she sells me that couch before she finds the treasure 
in it. That's exactly what this guy does. He finds this treasure. He says, I got to hide this. I got to make sure he doesn't find it. And then I need to go sell everything I have till I get enough money. But he doesn't really want the field. I could care less about the couch. I want what's in the couch. This is what means everything. This is what this relationship is like. It means everything. And once you find it, it's so incredible and changes your life. Are you willing to go buy the couch, so to speak, to get the treasure that's in it? Are you willing to put this on a pedestal because that's the status it truly has? It's an incredible relationship. And I'm passionate enough to get the treasure in that couch because I know it's going to transform my life. Are you passionate enough to keep showing this passion for Jesus even though you may be in this relationship because you understand the value in the treasure? Every day, pursuing Him with a heart posture that says, I want to be passionate for you. I want my life to transform because of what you did for me. That to me is what passion looks like. Letting your entire life revolve around this treasure that you would do anything for.